CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Friday, May 19th starts now. On today's show, oh, what a week it's been in the city of Chicago, and oh, what a guest we have for oh, what a week. Chicago Reader Editor-in-Chief, Salem Colo Julin. The Ben Jarofsky Show, as always, brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. You want to find Ben Jarofsky? He's over there, too. Just head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this one week in Friday, and here's why. Well, actually, it's Friday. It's over a week Friday. My uh, distinguished guest, Sam Colo Julian, is standing by to go talk to me about all the week's news or the week's news that we find worthy of discussion, which may be different than you. Well, probably not because you're listening to this podcast in the first place. But I'm going to open with uh, one weekend because it's one week, almost five days since Brandon Johnson was sworn in uh, as mayor of the city of Chicago. The inauguration happened on Monday. Uh, junkie that I am. I watched it twice. Yeah, <laughs> I watched it two and a half times. Actually, I started rewatching it. I, I think that's a call for help. Watched it two and a half times. It's not that I, I loved it so much. It's just that I was like trying to check quotes. Oh, maybe I loved it so much. I really love the part where they're like, uh, it was like a high school graduation. I've said this already where they did the roll call for the alderman and the lefty audience was like booing the alderman they liked and cheering the alderman i mean sorry booing the alderman they didn't like and cheering the alderman they uh, they liked it's like oh my god who's popular who's in who's hip we're gonna get into that in a little while when we talk about best of chicago best of chicago alderman but uh a couple of things i just want to point out that have really become uh, obvious to me i'm gonna write a column about this so i'm gonna kind of working things out as i talk it through uh i have a tendency to compare absolutely everything that's going down in Chicago today what, with what went down in the 80s, because there's so many parallels when Harold Washington was elected in 1983 uh, as the first black man to be elected mayor of the city of Chicago, uh, and also the first lefty to be elected mayor of the city of Chicago. So when you put those two together, a leftist black man, uh-oh, trouble in the city of Chicago. Mainstream Chicago is going to lose its little collective mind. And they're trying to kind of scare you, panic you, frighten you into voting against the lefty black man who's in City Hall. That's kind of what went down in 1983 after Harold Washington was elected. And I see it happening again. The role back in 1983 was played by two aldermen. Uh, each curiously with the first name of Eddie, Eddie Verdoliak, Alderman of the 10th Ward, Eddie Burke, Alderman of the 14th Ward. Eddie Burke is still around up until just recently. Thank goodness. One of the highlights of the uh, recent inauguration is that it did not include Eddie Burke. 
got a standing ovation when he left. So bizarre and twisted and weird. Alderman in the city of Chicago. I, you got to really ask yourself why you were giving him a standing ovation. Anyway, uh, Burke and Berdoliak led the charge, turning absolutely every issue into some way to scare white people into, I don't know, turning against, well, they were already against him, but staying against Harold Washington and not succumbing to Harold's charms because he was a very charming man. That role has largely been played in the first five days by the Chicago Tribune editorial board. <laughs> Listen, man, I believe in First Amendment protected rights to say whatever you want, but some of the stuff coming out of the Chicago Tribune editorial board is so freaking stupid. It's like, do you guys actually believe the drivel you're writing? I cannot believe it. I do not believe you actually believe it, but maybe they do. Anyway, uh, we talked at length uh, yesterday about no, read, no need to go uh, into the details again one more time about how outraged they were that Mayor uh, Johnson would have a deputy mayor in charge of labor relations uh, to try to help foster better relations, I don't know, with unions, also help workers form unions, uh, you know, also make sure that Chicago remains open and friendly to the unions. It's a very union-friendly town. Just the other day, uh, the striking writers, uh, the um, script writers, screenwriters, had a rally in Chicago. They were joined by almost all the labor leaders in the city. It is a union town. You know, but the tri Chicago Tribune is like, this is going to be very scary and dangerous. They would have uh, open access to act union activists and union organizers. What about what about access to the management? What about access to the people who own the newspapers or the people who own the corporations? Hey, they got their own access. It's called a telephone. They just pick up the phone and call the mayor. Mayor, mayor Rom, mayor, mayor Rom didn't have and none of and none of these rich guys had any trouble getting a hold of Mayor Rom. And as we saw with uh, Mayor Lightfoot too, they had her uh, email. They, they excuse me, they had her phone. They were texting her. So there's no trouble with them. Sam Zell just died. Speaking of extremely powerful, rich people in the city of Chicago, once owned the Chicago Tribune, once almost destroyed the Chicago Tribune. Do you think he had difficulty getting a hold of any mayor? I don't think so. Anyway, so that's sort of the role that the Tribune's playing. And an interesting parallel role is the role of sort of like the liberal whisperer. And that's the person in the Brandon Johnson administration assigned the task of assuring liberals always getting a little nervous. Those lakefront liberals always a little nervous about what they read in the Tribune. Oh, my God, I read this in the Tribune. I heard this on BEZ. I'm very scared right now that this administration is too radical. Uh, and um, <laughs> uh, that role is being played by our old friend Jason Lee the mayoral advisor he has been on the show many times. And it, it, it's kind of funny. It's kind of amusing, actually, the way they have this like good cop, bad cop routine. So we talked about this the other day, Sakabadi, the, uh, the economist, lefty uh, economist, came out with proposals. His group came out with proposals. He's coming on the show next week to talk about them in greater detail about raising taxes on people to create more revenue to fund government. I don't agree with all the proposals uh, that he came forth with, but uh, it's, it's interesting and worthy of discussion immediately. Jason Lee came out and go, the views and opinions of Sockup do not necessarily reflect those of the Brandon Johnson administration. Today, a repeat of that is uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, the alderman of the 35th Ward, gave an interview with uh, France Billman at Sun-Times, and he talked about Mayor Lori Lightfoot as a sore loser immediately. 
Jason Lee comes out. Uh, the views and opinions of Carlos Ramirez Rosa do not necessarily reflect those of the Brandon Johnson administration. We do not think Lori Lightfoot is a sore loser. That's a whole separate issue. Is Lori Lightfoot a sore loser? I mean, throw that question at Salem. She wasn't prepared for that one. I like to throw curveballs on my guests from time to time, really see how they handle that. Do I think she's a sore loser? Well, kind of. I mean, I'm just thinking this through as I say it, but yeah, you know, she first of all didn't endorse anybody. Okay, so maybe she doesn't have to endorse anybody. Did she vote in the election? Well, that's an interesting point. I don't know if she voted in the runoff election. She lives, I believe, in the 35th Ward, so there was no automatic election to vote for. I know people, for instance, in 2019 in the runoff who did not vote for mayor because they didn't like Tony Preckwinkle and they didn't like Lori Lightfoot for one reason or another. But because they lived in uh, the 47th Ward where there was an automatic runoff, they voted so they could vote for Matt Martin. We're going to be talking about him in a little while. So I don't know if Lori Lightfoot, you know, the politicians always say you must vote, you must vote, you must vote. But did Lori Lightfoot vote in the last election? I'm looking at Salem. She doesn't know either. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I think that throughout her administration, then we, we saw her kind of refine her response to uh, difficulties in her own life to the point where in the last year, I'm proud to say I was in attendance at a Chicago Sky game. She happened to have uh, herself, her wife, uh, and I think their child was was there as well. And I only know this because we had really great seats hovering above where the VIPs get to sit on the floor uh, at Wintrust Arena. And I saw Mayor Lightfoot come up to the catering section to get a beverage. And Mayor Lightfoot had to wait because the bartender was dealing with someone else. And I saw that little creeping part of her, one part of her mouth, just start, just just start. And, and I said to the person I was with, it was like, this is progress. That's four years of being told you can't let your mouth do that. <laughs> she, you could see her just trying to like, you could, uh, 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 and now it's all right. I can wait for the strength to count now. It's only a minute. All right. So uh, yeah. Did she vote? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure she told people she did. Uh, well, yeah, I know because you can't, I don't believe any politician can admit uh, he or she didn't vote because that'd be like anti, you know, good government. Uh, you would not be a good citizen. Uh, so you're supposed it's it's like a civics lesson to everybody to vote, uh, even though it may be a personal, perfectly rational reason for not voting. Uh, if you absolutely despise each candidate and you cannot in a million years figure out who to vote for. Uh, I guess you can write someone in, but we knew we now have write-in laws and rules that limit your ability to do that. So uh, I, I have no idea if she voted, but that would be the ultimate sign of a sore loser. I lost. Nobody is worthy of replacing me, so I'm not going to vote for anybody. Uh, and I would say now, then you get into the issue, uh, Salem, and now we're going down a road. I wasn't planning to go down on because there's a lot of stuff that we want to talk about. But which of the two candidates running in the April runoff cl closely resemble Lori Lightfoot in terms of ideology or politics? Paul Vallis, who was the mini MAGA man, uh, the MAGA sympathizer, uh, guest hosting on the Dan Prof show. Just saying that 
uh, yeah. like front liberals who voted for him, or Brandon Johnson, who came from the Chicago Teachers Union that Lori Lightfoot could not stand uh, and was, well, I can't even say he was a Bernie Sanders uh, lefty. He supported, endorsed Elizabeth Warren. So he's Elizabeth Warren left. I would say on the surface, it would be Brandon Johnson who would more closely resemble Lori Life just on the surface um, because MAGA spent so much time criticizing Lori Lightfoot and trying to lump her in with lefties. Your thoughts on this? I'm thinking that she resembles Johnson in that who she was actually doing that for was kind of clouded, right, for the first couple of years of her administration. She never made any attempt to make friends. She never did the things that politicians are supposed to do. She did the things that a prosecutor is supposed to do, which is, you know, kind of keep this bulldog persona up with almost everybody in her professional life. And, you know, we saw that even more clearly when uh, all of those emails got leaked out, right? You know, just the way that you're talking with the people that you work with every day, you know, if that's the way you're treating the person who's, you know, who's working for you, who's working on your behalf, then, oof, then the rest of us. But I don't know if we're necessarily going to see that kind of stuff with Johnson. I don't really know about how he does business. You know, I've never heard any kinds of ill will towards him from former employees, employers, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll start to see that stuff come out if it exists in this first year. Um, but I, but I do think they share this kind of like, I'm not sure why he's in this position. You know, I am not sure who he's doing it for. And both of them give, gave the same kind of statement to that in their campaigns in the way that any good politician does, you know, I'm doing this for the city of Chicago. I believe in the city of Chicago. You know, a lot of people believe in the city of Chicago until they actually have to do stuff for the city of Chicago. And, you know, I, I can just, I can go straight out here two blocks away from my house to 47th street and point to a pothole that's been there since the daily administration, you know? Oh yeah. They, there are holes in that street. What happens is they they hire people on a summer project to fill it up, and then those people don't do it that well, and then it just collapses again. I mean, we've had we've had some of the same. There's this one stretch of 47th right by the Dam Ryan, um, and you know, God help you if you ever have to drive through it because you know I've seen cars go straight in. I mean. It, it's a madness, you know. So the fact that something like that cannot get fixed in at least, like, I'll give you five years, you know, that seems like a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, um, I think that pothole is something that people campaign around and then forget about. And oh, that, that yeah. that's a metaphor to me for the entirety of what it wow. is to be a mayor in the city. But yeah, we'll see how Brandon does. I mean, I, I don't think he's aligned with a lot of the stuff that Vellis is aligned with, but you know, we know about the strange bedfellows part. So, um, you know, we have yet to see. All right. Uh, so this is a perfect point to uh, transition to what's on uh, Salem's mind. Uh, and uh, you already mentioned the city of Chicago. You already mentioned this pothole that has existed uh, on 47th Street since the Daily Administration. Folks, let me just tell you something. Daily news, people. <laughs> in 2011, that pothole is at least 12 years old. Oh, yeah. Um, I think for ne uh, next year's uh, Reader Best Of issue, it should be the best pothole in the city, 47th in the, uh, where is it, 47th in the Dan Ryan, did you say? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, 47th and Canal around there. Uh, all right. So uh, Salem and Aurora is editor of The Reader. Uh, is here to uh, talk about Best in Chicago. I know that's on your mind, so take it away. Uh, tell us about Best in Chicago. Go ahead. Well, thank you, Ben, for two things. One, for uh, letting me uh, hang out with you today. But uh, secondly, for uh, a good idea for next year's Best of Chicago voting. I will be putting that in. Best pothole in the city. Okay, I just had to write it out. Figure out what, what you mean by best. Like biggest, uh, longest, existing uh you know what i'm saying you have to define i have to, I have to figure out a way to do best but anyway go ahead. the the one that has eaten the most car parts in its existence as though it's you know some sort of uh godzilla like creature living underneath our city soil um well if you're if you're listening right now and uh you love to discuss this kind of stuff you know you love to talk with your friends about where the exact best pizza slice is, what the best park is, what the best park to bring your dog is in the city, um, then you probably voted in the Reader's Best of Chicago poll over low these many years. Uh, as many of your listeners know, it's completely reader generated uh, around early November every year. We start the process. We let our readers know now's the time to nominate your favorites and in these 70 different categories that we have every year, everything from best politician in the state of Illinois to best bank to best men's pro sports team in Chicago. And the readers weigh in. We take the top four or five from each category that have been nominated, and then we let the readers vote on what the winners and finalists are uh, in January and voting ends in February of each year. And this year we put out our best of Chicago issue in April. Uh, it was our biggest issue, uh, print issue of the year is 100 pages uh, and it had a glossy cover. And in, in uh, it's been since 2019 uh, that we've had an actual party in person to celebrate this issue and celebrate what our readers think are the, are the best of Chicago's performers, Chicago music. Uh, so we're doing it again, uh, June 1st uh, at the Metro, and we're also using the uh, sibling venues of the Metro Smart Bar, which is in the basement of the Metro building uh, up there on Clark and Wrigleyville, um, and the next door tavern uh, that they've opened in the last five years called G-Man Tavern uh, is going to be a spot for that party as well. So. June 1st, tickets are available on the Chicago Reader website, chicagoreader.com. Uh, the performers for the main show are going to be uh, musicians that were voted best in their categories by our readers. We have Joseph Chilliams, who is a Chicago born and bred uh, hip hop artist, rapper. Uh, we have Dos Santos, who some of your listeners probably saw, they, they played a, a tremendous amount of outdoor festivals last year. Um, but best world or international music act is, is the category that they excelled in. Um, so they're a fun band. Uh, and we also have Lily West, who is a great singer songwriter here in Chicago. Um, many, many DJs. We're going to have representatives from, um, some of the, uh, food and other, uh, kinds of business categories. We'll be giving out samplings and wares. Um, I've heard that one of the, uh, one of the, the categories that I found interesting, best hair salon, 
uh, little broken things, they're going to be coming out um, and they'll have a table at, at Metro. And I'm not sure what they're giving away, but I think they're they're going to be able to like, you don't even have to come with your hair wash to this thing. They're going to give you uh, clip-ins and things to make yourself even look greater while you're, while you're standing there. So um, it'll start out uh, for those of our uh, readers that are also donors, we're offering a VIP moment earlier in the evening. So that starts around 5.30. And uh, during that hour, we're going to have uh, be joined by uh, Sherman Dilla Thomas, who a lot of your listeners might have um, seen his TikTok or heard him interviewed in other places, you know, amateur historian um, about all things Chicago, and also uh, employee of, of, of one of our utility companies here. And so uh, true Chicagoan, work on a couple of jobs at the same time. Um, but um, Sherman has graciously uh, uh, volunteered to uh, do a 15 minute uh, piece for us um, during that v VIP hour. So um, that's a great time to sit down, kind of see what you've seen on the TikTok in, in real life and, and get to meet him. And uh, the main event starts at seven o'clock at Metro. So um, yeah, I, I'd encourage everybody to, Check out the full list of performances and all the information at chicagoreader.com. But we're excited about it. Like I said, it's it's been a while since we had a uh, in-person party for Best of. Yeah. Well, I uh, want to give a shout out to Chicago Reader, my beloved Chicago Reader, as I call it. Uh, I've been writing for the Reader for a long, long time. I'm the old guy at the Reader, and uh, God bless the Reader, putting up with me all these years, giving me virtually complete freedom. Uh, to pursue all these bizarre stories uh, that I've pursued down through the years uh, and uh, my really left of center take on things. And I know there's been powerful um, people who have tried to pressure the reader into silencing me, firing me, <laughs> editing the hell out of me. Uh, and the reader has a great tradition of looking the other way. Uh, even at the darkest days of the reader Salem, um, I don't think you were part of the reader then. You may have been in and out. I can't remember. Uh, but like 2008, 2007, 2009, when there were so many layoffs going on and we were in the midst of that recession and the reader went bankrupt. And it's like, oh, my God, it's going to be are the lights going to go on at this place. And they were <laughs> It, I remember. I forget who it was. Uh, I forget who the the actual person because there were so many people coming in and out at that time. So uh, and someone just said, "Just keep doing what you're doing. All right, you're the least of our worries at this moment. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing." Uh, and that was at the at the very end of the daily administration when I was really going after daily hard. So God bless the reader. God bless those donors. Uh, they're helping support the reader. Everything has changed about journalism in Chicago, Salem. You and I have had this conversation on the mic. Uh, we just, I talked briefly about Sam Zell dying. Um, th the model that he, well, let's not even get into what Sam Zell did to the Chicago Tribune, but uh, the, the model of a newspaper completely funding itself mm -hmm. through advertising is over in the city of Chicago, Salem. You, mm. you it's donor based. It's like everybody's doing what WBEZ did way back when. Mm -hmm. um, 
So we're still ticking. It's a new generation and we're still here. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I'm uh, well, we're we're appreciative that you're still engaged with us, Ben, because it's just a it's a it's a boon and a blessing. And, you know, I'm 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 often surprised at some of the great decisions that a lot of the people before me made um, because they, you know, they were, they were made in these times of chaos that you're talking about. So if all the things that were great that they did is somebody somehow kept a tab on our full archives, right. Kept on getting them library bound. We still to this day in our office in Brownsville have a full set of the archives. Somebody thought at some point, Hey, I'm being laid off, but let me take all my boxes of notes and let me take this this file cabinet that full of photos that nobody seems to ever, and I'm going to secretly in the night bring it over to the Newberry Library, right? So the Newberry Library has this full archive of Chicago Reader paraphernalia from three different offices, right? Three different buildings. And I, you know, I, I feel lucky that, you know, we're, we're now a legacy paper in terms of Chicago media. We've been here for more than 50 years. How crazy is that? Like every day, first of all, I kind of, you know, the voices in my head, there's a lot of them. I share that with a lot of writers. Okay. The main voice is always like, who do you think you are? You woke up today. You're a writer. You do this for a living. Oh, really? Oh, that's so nice. That's that voice. And I try to tell that voice to be quiet because, you know, like it's, it's totally great that I'm, I get to do what I do for a living. But the second voice is like, how crazy is it? that through all this chaos, like people were able to hold on to that. And I think one of those decisions is having yourself involved in some way or another over the last load so many years with the reader, keeping you keeping you um, in our family. I'm, I'm just so grateful to those people for at least making that good decision. And also um, your our colleague, Deanna Isaacs, you know, being with us for, for so many years, the what you both contribute in terms of your perspective on politics and culture here in Chicago is invaluable to us. So, you know, um, to me, like going into the next century of a place like the reader doesn't mean you stand there and you change everything. I think people who do that, like, we don't see them for very long, right? They're, you know, anybody comes in, it's like, we're gonna have blockbuster ideas and now we're gonna start printing this on the back of cereal boxes and we're gonna do this and we're gonna, you know, all right. You, you kind of exhaust yourself. I'm I'm interested in keeping all the stuff that our readers love and part of that is is your work. So thank you for, for doing this with us and being alongside us. Uh, and uh, uh, that was a great riff, by the way, Salem. Thank you very much. Uh, so I want to go back to uh, Best of Chicago uh, and uh, have a little fun with it. Um, so one, it's it, again, this is the 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 reader reader speaking, okay? Uh, and um, best elected officials in Chicago. This is an interesting uh, uh, category. Now this took place. This vote took place uh, in uh, around the turn as a. Uh, 2022 into 23 so we're talking december right right around that right right and um so it's just interesting it's like a capsule of wh what the world looked like then uh, the number one best elected official in chicago was jesus chewy garcia mm -hmm. uh the uh, congressman uh and it uh, reader readers generally if i could categorize them 
I know it's not 100%, generally are on the left side of things, uh, politically speaking. I think that's a, a, an easy assessment to make. Um, although yeah, there are. For the most part. There, yeah. there are a couple. There are a couple, but yeah. 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 Uh, and um, uh, so Garcia, obviously at the time, was the most the best known uh progressive like i'll just use their ter the term that lefties like to call themselves progressives the best known progressive in the city of chicago and was situated to be the the next mayor uh, but i mean best situated at least to make the runoff uh, second place uh in this was andre vasquez the alderman of the 40th ward and third place went to matt martin the 47th ward alderman uh, neither of whom were running for mayor Noticeably absent from that list was Brandon Johnson. Uh, and I think that was obviously an indication uh, that Brandon Johnson's relative uh, obscurity in terms of the citywide population. People didn't know who he was yet. This just sort of it, this just sort of indicates everything we've known. And the same thing could have been true in 2019. Lori Lightfoot's name would not have been on the list. She was unknown. She was like at 2% in the polls. Brandon was at 2% in the polls. Chewy Garcia was in the high 20s. Uh, and then after this poll came out, after the issue, uh, after the tabulation, tabulating was done, everything began to change. The campaign folded. Uh, Brandon Johnson picked up uh, support that, you would have thought it gone to Chewy Garcia. I bet you some of the people who voted in this poll for Chewy Garcia in December ended up supporting Brandon Johnson in February in the first runaround. Things change. One hundred percent. I mean, you can, and I'd say too, that's a testament uh, to the communications people on Brandon's campaign, right? And and the communications people that worked on the first on on Lori Lightfoot's first campaign, because those are two candidates that unless you're a political junkie to some part, unless you're one of those people that like knows the names of every single like state rep, a house rep, all those kinds of things, you probably didn't really know either of those people until the three months, which are so crucial for a campaign, like running up to that first election. And um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely, I, I like thinking, I, I like the way you're thinking about this as a capsule in time, because it really is where our readers were like going into 2023 and how quickly that changed. Yeah, absolutely. How quickly it does change. Uh, now, I, I would say that perennials, Andre Vasquez, clearly, uh, when I see his name on this list, he has clearly emerged uh, as a very pop. either that or he, uh, the old, he had his supporters stuff the ballot box. There's always that possibility. I don't want to be uh, too jaded Chicago observer, <laughs> but uh I'm just going to say I'm just going to say this. He's probably emerged as um, one of the best known progressive uh, aldermen in the city of Chicago. Yeah, that is clearly obvious based on this poll. And Matt Martin, the uh, 47th Ward alderman as well. If I were doing a poll, and it was funny when I when I was thinking about this, I was like, who would I put as like my three favorite aldermen? And I say this, I'm like, you know, the people go, Ben, you're not supposed to have favorites. But I think anyone who listens to the show knows I have my favorites. I mean, it's like, who are the people that come back time after time after time? Who are the people that I just like? You could just see the love pouring out. And I would have to, I mean, I'm just, everybody knows that J JT, Jeanette Taylor, is going to be at the top or near the top of any list I have. You know, JT. 
Um, Rosanna Rodriguez, who was on the show yesterday. Uh, I just love her passion. Just she's so committed. To, just the same thing with Jeanette Taylor. Um, and uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, Matt Martin, and the list goes on, Andre Vasquez. Uh, but here's one I always throw a curveball at people. This will this name will never, I predict, be on a reader list of uh, most popular or best of uh, list for Alderman. This guy's a great guest, even though I don't agree with him on anything. Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward. And uh, he comes on the show. He hasn't been on in a while. I haven't reached out to a while. I got, Raylo, uh, I guess I got to bring you back. You irritated the hell out of me by going to Tucker Carlson. So I, have, I must confess. Uh, but, you know, he's not afraid to take a tough question. Uh, he can take and give. You know what I mean? He's not one of those guys who grumbles if you criticize him. Uh, and uh, plus we have this drinking game that we play when he's on the show. We're like, every, anytime I, I like, well, I, uh, I, where I say, well, uh, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that. And take a shot and be drunk at the end of the show. Um, so uh, I know you don't probably want to answer this question, but uh -huh. do you have your favorites that you would put on a list or you just don't want to? I, well, here's the thing. Like I, 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 I can speak in, in some vagaries and, and uh, what it is, is I, if I were not in my position, I would be looking at that question as favorites, how, you know, and I can tell you there are, I, I do have some favorite aldermen because they entertain me, not because I agree with them. You know, um, fortunately, one on a positive note, JT, who you just mentioned, happens to be my alderman. Uh, I live in the city of Chicago, and I got to meet uh, I got to meet uh, Alderperson Taylor when uh, she was on the campaign trail. She did a she did a, a tour of people's kitchens and literally was sitting at my friend's kitchen table, one of my neighbors in the ward. And um, first thing she did was hand me one of her campaign buttons and it, it was reflecting on the, you know, they took some of the graphics from Harold's campaign, Harold Washington's first campaign, right? And um, and I started talking about that and she started talking about it at the same time. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. I see where you're going here. Um, but Jeanette also just reminds me of um, a lot of the people I know when responding to things because, you know, she just... She says the truth a lot of the time in the moment, which is something that politicians usually don't do. I was actually surprised that she's she decided to continue on with this job. I know at the beginning of her term, she's like, I don't know how long I'm going to do this, which for my money, it's like, yeah, that's the kind of person that I would like representing this ward. But this this ward has had every single other person who's been in that position for the last, I don't know, maybe 20 years has ended up being indicted and some of them imprisoned. Yeah, so uh, there wasn't a huge high bar to, for her to fill, but she's gotten way above and beyond in my opinion. Um, but the others that I would say that I would have on my list for entertainment value, uh, there's an ex-alderman that I always think about because I, uh, I did have the, the pleasure of running into him at a couple of bars uh, over the years, and uh, he no longer is is in these races, but Nataris, Burton Nataris. Burton Nataris, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then also for entertainment value only, uh, Gardner. 
Oh my goodness, Jim Gardner of the 45th Ward. I have a Burton Terrace bobblehead doll. I'm looking. At <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, yeah, and I, I again, like while he was while he was uh, in the position, you know, I didn't pay much attention to him except for the entertainment value. But yeah, um, yeah Gardner, I pretty much, I don't think, I don't think his politics of mine would align. Um, but I, you know. Uh, thankfully the readers kind of have their own say in this poll right mm-hmm. you know but uh, now the one person uh, absent from the list uh, this year uh, mm-hmm. who i predict will be on next year's list a uh, good friend of uh, ours and a very dear friend of this show she came on many times more to point helped me book so many guests uh and that would be the newly elected alderwoman of the 48th ward uh, lenny mana hopperworth uh i have a lot to say uh about lenny to the the path she took to getting elected alderman and, and i know you have some thoughts on her as well uh she used to work for the reader that's how i met her uh, she was in the ad department for the reader but as uh, as a volunteer she was very much a part of the indivisible organ- movement that emerged after donald trump's election in november of 2016 uh and so uh, lenny sort of really took that deep dive into politics organizing on a local level to force changes on a national level. Uh, so she was focused on the national and the fight in uh, uh, Washington. It was very much part of the movement that emerged, like with the Women's March uh, in 2017 when Trump was first inaugurated. Uh, and um, she was she was so key. This is what I love about her work in those days uh, with, with Indivisible, she would hook me up with people around the state of Illinois, in Wisconsin and Michigan, very important um, activists working in rural areas that had gone strong for Trump, who were, um, I mean, you talk about a tough challenge, Sam. It's one thing to get uh, Chicago voters to come out to vote. You're, you're not going to worry about a lot of them voting for uh, MAGA, but it's another thing to do that in the face of, like all your neighbors are MAGA and they got Trump flags and stuff. So Lenny was key in sort of building that network. Um, I was a little caught off surprise, uh, by little surprise, caught off guard, I should say, uh, when she told me that she was going to be running for Alderwoman uh, of the 48th Ward. And um, it was a tough battle. There were so many candidates in the 48th. Uh, Harry Osterman was stepping down, the incumbent Alderman. Uh, she made it to the runoff. Uh, and then um, she prevailed uh, in the runoff. Uh, real significant victory. So shout out to Lenny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I lo- you you know I love you, Lenny. And best of luck to you um, as this is a whole new trip. And being a, <laughs> being an older woman uh, from being an a ad a person for the reader. Uh, I know you got your thoughts about Lenny, so take it away, Sal. You know, so I first became aware of Lenny when we worked together, uh, when Lenny happened to be employed at the Reader, um, you know, and I, I can speak to Lenny as a person, and I I feel like Lenny is going to really excel at this position because the Lenny that I got to know was somebody who um, – was not only participatory in all the stuff that a citizen of any city is supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to get out and know who lives in your neighborhood. You're supposed to get out and get to know, you know, all of the concerns. Lenny happens to have three really beautiful kids. 
you know, so Lenny's always been involved in, you know, school council stuff, knowing what's going on at each of your kids' schools, all of that kind of thing. But Lenny, I've seen, is a person that always takes it up a notch and really thinks in these service-minded ways of like, what is my presence here? What is, what else am I supposed to be doing? So we're all going to be having a good time. And I think that's the kind of message that Lenny had in her campaign as well and why it resonated with. So otherwise it's, you know, like you said, it, that was a huge slew of candidates for a very interesting ward that covers um, a huge amount of property in the city of Chicago that we've seen, we've seen the face of it change both in terms of businesses, in terms of who lives there, you know, um, like actual physical landscape of some part, you know, I, I, I go to, you know, Argyle now is always, you know, they, they've, they've had like recent construction around the bread line and stuff like that. And it's just, you can see the face changing in, in, in that, but there's, there's still these very like communities that have been based there for a long time. Lenny happens to own a business on Clark street, right in the heart of the Anderson, Andersonville shopping district. And you know, that could be just the one thing that anyone knows about Lenny, right? Lenny was a dancer. Lenny owns Chicago Dance Supply, right? And 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 I get the sense that Lenny would have been totally happy with that, have her dance community, her kids, all of this other stuff. But Lenny's super smart and Lenny sees a bigger picture. And, uh, you know, um, we don't endorse politicians as a rule. Um, from my position at this paper, but um, I do endorse her as a person and as a fellow citizen. So to me, it was that that was a great victory to see. And um, in addition to that, Lenny and I happen to share some ethnic heritage. And so I do not think of myself as a nationalistic person by any means. But when I see fellow Filipinos doing well in the world, it's kind of hard not to be like, hey, yeah, like so. Uh, when, when Lenny, uh, was announced, I, I have to admit that I did immediately send a text with a little Filipino flag on it. Just, you know, nice to see you doing what you're supposed to be doing. I, I was uh, asking you before we went on the air, yeah. are you, you or your parents are from the Philippines? So both my parents are from here. My mom's side is uh, Filipino heritage. My grandparents uh, migrated here to Chicago. Uh, my grandfather and my great uncle were part of the original first wave. My great uncle was one of the first Filipinos to settle in Chicago uh, at all, you know, and, and so that's early 20th century. And uh, my grandfather had lived in Hawaii. Um, he migrated there from the Philippines and then he made his way here, uh, kind of following my great uncle. And uh, yeah, and then there was another wave of Filipinos that came during the um, 50s and 60s when the uh, Immigration Act uh, changed again. So that's that's where you see a lot of uh, Filipino families kind of see their beginning of, of their time in Chicago here. But my, my uh, yeah, my family's been here for a very, very long time. Um, helped to build the Resolve Center, which is up on Irving Park by Graceland Cemetery. Um, and I grew up, uh, we lived with my grandparents for quite a bit of my childhood. And uh, we always had fresh Filipinos just staying in that, that room downstairs. And there every, you know, weekend, there was some sort of 
there was always some sort of dinner party or, or lunch going on in the front. But then in the back of the kitchen, my grandfather was, uh, was basically um, giving somebody who was new to Chicago the lay of the land. Like, and he literally got a lot of people jobs when they first got here uh, in various kitchens. He was a, uh, he was the um, head chef of the Empire Room at the Palmer House for uh, many, many years um and uh got to serve a lot of famous people and um uh, so yeah yeah we have deep roots here your grandfather my grandfather was, yeah. yeah at the palmer house wow yeah I yeah did not know that yep yep he um he served eisenhower he um you know i mean he was he was the guy so it was a very it's a very odd uh background for my family but um but I, uh, I, I basically growing up knew him at that point. He had, he actually, he retired in the seventies and then he was missing a lot. And my mom and my grandmother were really concerned. And the story is that they thought that he was going to the racetrack with his friends and, and spending all the money. They didn't know what was going on. And so uh, the guy who ended up becoming my uncle Rob, uh, who was an Italian from the neighborhood. My Aunt Esther said she would never marry anybody from the neighborhood, but then she found one, and they've been married for 40 years. Uh, so Uncle Rob volunteered to go follow him on one of my grandfather on one of these tracks and followed him all the way to Arlington Racetrack, and it turned out my grandfather had taken a part-time job after retirement to get the heck out of the house so they didn't know what to do themselves. So he ended up working another, like, I don't know, 15 years Cooking so, at Arlington, yeah. So he was going to the racetrack, but he was doing it as a job. Yeah, but he didn't tell anybody. As opposed to me going to the racetrack and throwing away my money. <laughs> I used to do back in the late 70s. We're not going to talk about my uh -oh. gambling days. So <laughs> oh, let's no. just leave that one. Let's leave that history alone. Yeah, but, we don't uh, have to get into that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when when I see, you know, I, I have that thing in me, and I think a lot of, you know, if you grew up in an ethnic household, you kind of have that. It's like, yeah, we, we, we like things for everybody. But you, when you see like one of your own doing well, you're kind of like, eh, that's great. But yeah, um, so that's something I'm proud to have say that Lenny and I have in common. Well, she uh, yeah, she's the first uh, uh, Filipino alderman. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, best of luck to you going forth, Lenny. She puts all these photos on her um Instagram page of her studying these she's got these enormous uh, notebooks uh filled with all these documents <laughs> that they're giving her and I get the feeling like she's cramming for a test like oh, I gotta learn all this stuff and, yeah uh, yeah Lenny I'm gonna give you some advice which you're free to ignore most of those aldermen don't know what anything about what's in those books oh, uh, you're gonna God. learn really soon or later uh about the pit you have entered uh keep your head high don't believe the nasty things they say about you because uh, they're going to say a lot of nasty things about you in Chicago politics. Uh, and, but don't get, don't try to learn. Don't get overwhelmed with those notebooks. Uh, have you seen those pictures? Sam? She's, I mean, these notebooks are huge. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. like so funny because it's like, I thought I was the only one with like notebooks. You know, everything's like uh, digital. So it's on a phone. You know what I mean? People are like, but no, like the aldermen are still looking at notebooks, like really like this, I'm going to show. <laughs> ben is bending down, listeners, to find a. Oh, it's a huge binder. See that? I yeah. Know. The the view the listener can't see it, but Salem can. <laughs> uh, 
this is interactive podcasting, everybody. <laughs> so that's before uh, Lenny's dealing with these huge binders, and they're just filled with, I don't know what they're filled with, you know, but like, presumably... Well, uh, let me tell you, like I, I, we, we, uh, we can move on in a second, but like I, um, so I have a friend who at one time worked for the daily administration kind of late in and the entirety of his job was, um, putting together all the clippings from the day before. Right. And so the way that it needed to be presented to the mayor, mayor at that time was, uh, he would literally cut out like the article that mentioned the mayor's office in the Tribune and paste it into the like scrapbook type. And then every day, my friend Dan had to go to the mayor's office at 7 a.m. to have the scrapbook waiting for him on the desk. And then he would enter and like get to see the scrapbook. And they they put together like a VHS tape of like highlights from, you know, the the TV news the night before. But it was, that was his job. Like during the last couple of years of, of that administration. And I, I, I am quite sure from trying to go down there and look through records that, that these are the kinds of like scrapbooking style binders for Michaels or, or, you know, Home Depot that Lenny is having to look around. But yeah, I agree with you, Ben, like, Lenny, you don't need to read all that stuff. (laughs) You just need to know parliamentary procedure learn how to yell at a couple people, you know, learn how, learn how to let someone else say the thing on the record. So you can just be sitting there like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> just that's, that's all you need to do. You and, know, you know, and by the way, uh, we had so much fun uh, with this, uh, uh, on the show once a month, they glow ads comes on and we uh, go through the city council. Uh, it, it, uh, during the Lori life for years, they were making a parliamentary procedure as they went along. Uh, so on one on one issue they would rule one way, and another issue they rule other way. Raylo and Anthony Beal would be standing up to challenge the mayor. The mayor would be challenging them back. Uh, then it would be this cacophony of voices in the city council as various aldermen weighed in with their opinion of what the rules were, and they would all cite the rules in the rule book. And I think Dave Glutz, one of the few people in the city of Chicago, who's actually read the rules book outside of uh, individual aldermen. Uh, so Lenny, I think you're going to learn a lot of this just. As you go along, I mean, Raylo now, Raymond Lopez, when he first got in, he hardly said a word. Now he's like the authority on all things parliamentary. So it's just kind of like, don't have to memorize everything at once. That's my advice to you. You just got to know Mr. Robert or Robert's Rules of Order, and then you're all set. And um, by the way, Ben, I don't want to derail your show, but since you brought up Dave Glowatz, I just wanted to make sure that your listeners are well informed of your recent success in journalism awards in that uh, you have uh, a couple of episodes uh, of this very podcast uh, from last year that you did with Dave Kolatz won uh, one of the Lisa Gore awards from the Chicago Headline Club this year. So congratulations to you. That's Thank you. Yeah, such so, an, so great. Yeah, and we uh, had a little fun with it with a video we shot, uh, which there's one on the reader site, and we're coming out with one on my own Instagram site pretty soon. We had fun with it. Uh, Salem gave me the award. Uh, I was stunned when I got it. Very happy, very proud that this uh, humble little podcast won an award. So, yes, thank you, Dave Glowatz. Thank you, Lissa Gore. Uh, Now I'm going to move on to this topic that's on my mind. This was in today's Bright One, and I dutifully sent you the article so you could dutifully read it. I'd be ready to go. Uh, homework. Uh, yes, uh, Salem gets homework before she comes on the show. Uh, tempers flared on the state Senate floor. This is Tina Svandelis' lead. During a debate of Democratic-led measures, including a bill that clears the way for gun manufacturers to be sued, 
that's not the issue that really got the, the tempers flaring. And another that would allow businesses to create multi-capacity bathrooms open to all genders. An idea one Republican warned will spark violence. Uh, State Senator Neil Anderson, uh, Republican, told lawmakers that he would, quote, beat the living, I think it's piss, out of any man who walked into the restroom with his daughter. And the reason I say it's, I think it's piss, because the bright one, my beloved bright one, home delivered every day, (laughs) is protecting us from the word. Now, so it's pee. And then it looks like four little dashes. Mm-hmm. So I assume it's piss. I'm like, right one. I think we can handle that. Okay. I don't think your list, your readers are going to plop over. Oh my God. I saw the word. I am outraged. <laughs> I think they can handle it. I don't think you have to do dash, dash, dash to protect anybody from the word piss. I think piss is like one of those. I don't even think piss was on George Carlin's. Seven words. I don't think think it is either. Yeah, Yeah. but I like to think that there's some reader who right now is typing out a letter to the editor of the Sun Times saying, "You know, what's with this person who wants to beat the living puns out of any? What's wrong with puns? (laughs) Yeah, or any other? Yeah, puke. Yeah, with the living puke. I know. Like uh, they did this one bit where years ago Ozzy Guillen went on his one of his classic rants when he was manager of the White Sox. Uh, and it was it was like poetry when Ozzy would go off on these riffs it, it, with the F-bomb flying left and right. It really was poetry. Oz, I love Ozzy again. I wish they, the White Sox had made him the manager. It's a whole other story. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we could talk all about just, that. Yeah, just yeah. like I don't understand why they didn't do that. No. Um, but anyway, uh, so I had a fun uh, writing about it like, hmm, it was like F. And then so they write Mother F. And then dash dash dash. Huh. <laughs> One is F dash dash dash, and the other is mother. Well, I get, and they were okay. I can understand uh, the protection there, but this, I don't know if you need to protect anybody. Um, yeah. But getting to the heart of it, you know, um, I don't share his sentiment and his fear uh about uh multi what they call multi-capacity bathrooms that are open to all genders it doesn't require mandate uh that businesses do this uh it just allows them to do this uh but i'm i'm like how do i put this like maga's a bill maga's like willingness uh to just openly threaten people with violence, like the self-righteousness that's embedded there. You know, they feel like they have a freedom to like just to beat the crap out of someone. I'm mad. I'm just going to beat the crap out of you. This is kind of what you got in trouble in the first place, MAGA, with the whole insurrection thing at the Capitol. Remember that? Where you were hitting policemen over the heads with hockey sticks? You brought a freaking hockey stick to a protest rally. (laughs) <laughs> what the hell are you bringing a hockey stick at the and then uh fire uh the fire extinguishers i mean it's just like you feel like it's within your rights somehow or other to threaten other people beat other people up you know you talk about the need to have uh free expression people should be able to say what they want to say without fear of intimidation and yet you're always intimidating other people you're always threatening other people you're always wanting like to punch somebody out and it, 
it's just like uh Salem, okay, this guy feels strongly uh about his his daughter and bathrooms and the sanctity of bathrooms for his daughter. But you're not gonna I I, I, I don't see what is served with the violence. Uh, and that's what this movement is based on, just like encouraging people to pummel folks that they disagree with or uh, hit them over the head with a hockey stick, uh, if that's what they disagree with. Um, your I mean, thoughts about this? Go ahead. There, 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 there are so many. There are so many first reactions that I have to this, and and also, I mean. I think I probably share this with a lot of your listeners, you know, uh, the overwhelming reaction is like this again, this again, really? Okay. All right, here we go. You know, because here's the thing, like what, what we see in this article in the Sun Times and, you know, we're, we're only seeing a couple of quotes from what I'm assuming was some eloquent speech on the, on the freaking rock in Andalusia who, you know, uh, you all in that area, you have a lovely name for your town. I look forward to going down there and seeing what kind of frozen dessert I can find on, on my road trip. That is something that I want to do and find the local thrift store like that. That's one of my favorite things to do is find a small town and and, and get ice cream and records. But um, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go out and see what you can do about removing this person from you know, representing you, because I am sure that everybody in that area does not share not only the the semblance of, a, of an opinion that we're seeing in this piece, but also the huge gaps that are involved. And this is what happens every time. They're not telling us exactly what their opinion is. They are reacting to something and assuming that everyone's going to go along with them, right? And so everybody who has not kind of made it to the level of full-fledged adult is going to continue to, oh, you know, uh, men, girls in bathrooms? Yeah, bad. You know, this is what happens. It's like we're seeing this is how they created the Hulk or something because the guy and, and others like him, he is not alone in this. They start this kind of fire based in nothing. I don't really know what his opinion is. I don't know. He hasn't told me what the problem is. He's just coming and yelling. And so to me, it's like, this is what happens with toddlers in a daycare when they're just frustrated with something. They can't, you know, they got the Rubik's cube. They can't put the little thing in the little box. They don't know what the ABCs are. They're working at it. They're working at it. I can't figure it out. So I'm just going to throw this thing against the wall because I've had it. This is, but, but now we're talking about an entire group of people, many of whom are in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, their 70s, where you've had many chances. You had teachers. I'm, I'm sure that not everybody in your life was a complete, you know, I'm going to, I'm stopping myself from saying a couple of words. And still, this is what you think is a reasonable reaction at your job, on the record, in front of everybody in front of God's creation, I'm just going to have a fit. About what? We don't know. Is he angry? Is he angry because men are going to go into women's bathrooms and use all of the soap and the nice smelling like lotions that we, what does he think happens in the bathroom? 
You know, there's so many questions. So as somebody who has been misgendered in bathrooms before, um, I happen to, you know, uh, like I've had short hair, I've had long hair. I pretty much every time go into either a bathroom that has no responsibility on it, it's a bathroom for everybody, or I go into the women's bathroom. Those are usually my choices, right? There have been times I've gone into the men's bathroom because honestly the line was shorter and there were no men in there. And that happens to me all the time at uh, rock and roll shows, right? There are so many times where the line to the women's bathroom is wrapped around the corner. There's no guys in there. I run in and run out. And what do I do when I'm in there? Do I stand there next to all the guys at the urinal going like, hey, no. <laughs> who the heck does that? Yeah. You know, so I, I, I'm wondering what these people think is going to happen. And none of them successfully tell us that they just try to lead us into this conclusion of pomposity and like, oh, my God, you know, and it's always about this thing. And what they're doing is they're creating a situation in which any of my non-binary siblings, anybody who doesn't look exactly the part, which again, that's up to their interpretation, right? Not mine. So I remember being 12 years old, I was walking down the street, okay? And this uh, elder lady uh, was trying, struggling to get a box out of her car and I stopped to help, you know, cause that's what I was taught to do. So I help her get the box out of the car. She had a little cart. We successfully got this heavy box onto a cart. And then she was going to push the cart back into her building. So it took all of five minutes. And I'm walking away. And she she basically, she called me back to give me a dollar, which was really, really nice. I was 12 years old. I had very short hair. I used to, you know, um, play baseball and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I wasn't a very girly girl. She has me a dollar. She's like, here you go, son. Thank you very much. I walked away for a second, like, hmm. And then I went on with my life. I got a dollar. I don't care. You know, like if the if somebody had stopped and told that that woman, like actually that was a girl that you gave the would her life have changed? I don't think so. What's going to happen in a bathroom? Now, what he's talking about, what I'm assuming that he wants us to be led into is that he's envisioning this world in which there are these predatory men uh, who are waiting in bathrooms. Let me tell you something. Doesn't matter what it says. As someone who's been in women's bathrooms a lot in public, it does not matter what it says on the door. If people like that want to come into the bathroom, they're in there anyway. Okay. You know, if you're really worried about crime, guess what, buddy? Tooting up the wrong tree. Okay, you got to stop me, Ben. I'm sorry. No, okay. you're. I, I'm letting you go. That was a great riff. And you didn't get to the part that I was waiting. I thought you were going to get to. Uh, you mentioned this to me uh, before we went on the air. And I go, don't stop. I want to hear you say this on the mic. Yeah. Uh, because you remembered a moment in your life when you were oh. very young. Uh, and I've been there. Here's okay. the other, here's the other thing. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, Ben. I totally even, I, this, these people have me so riled up. I don't even know what I'm talking about. This, <laughs> what's going on? What the heck? You know, <laughs> I, I had to work hard to get where I am. And then this, you know, banana is allowed to have like a state position. Like what? Okay. Anyway, 
<laughs> I, I was when I was really young. My dad had season tickets to the to the great Chicago White Sox at Old Comiskey Park. Um, probably like four or five when I first started. These are my some of my earliest memories of going with him, and you know, all my dads and they were all men buddies. This group and they all had tickets together. And over the years, we got to know other people who also shared the same seats, what have you, but mostly men, you know, at that point, it was that that's what the ballpark experience was. It was a lot of guys and a four or five year old. You got to go to the bathroom. These are three hour games at this point. And especially the late 70s socks, those were, you know, I mean, (laughs) yeah, there were there were kind of like chess matches sometimes, you know, so. Uh, what would happen often is if I had to go, my dad would have to bring me to the bathroom and he'd do this kind of like shuffling and, you know, shuffling the Buffalo thing where just kind of like run me in, close his eyes. I knew what I was doing, make sure I wash my hands, run right out. You know, it's not like it was a, you know, uh, we, we were kind of speed racing it through. And then at some point he basically, uh, and this is more about his parenting than anything, but he, at some point he basically would just stand there with me holding it desperately, standing outside of the women's bathroom and deliver me to any woman who was walking into the bathroom. And it's like, hey, my daughter's got to go. All right. Yeah. You know, and, and then kind of wait. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, so what the, the, the scenario that this, uh, legislature, so to speak, is is talking about, you know, does it cover that situation too? And and who is he assigning to be the the arbiter of this? Like, is he going to have bathroom police? Somebody going to be walking in like you're okay, but you can't go. Like, are we going to have a little like velvet rope and stanchion? You know? No, he's going to be the he he'll be it. He'll beat the piss out of him. And oh, it doesn't oh, say he's gonna, go. yeah. it doesn't say he didn't say whether he was going to interrogate them first or question them first or ask them to show identities uh, or ask to make sure you know drop their pants to see what gender they are. Mm-hmm. He he was just going to beat the piss out of them. He was going to make <laughs> So was, I'd be curious now that you say that if like if if uh, instead of arguing with him one of the uh, other legislators or the Democrats would say, "Well, sir, I'm just a little curious about your position on this." So you just are you going to punch, beat the piss out of them uh, with before or after you ask questions of them? Oh, that, right. Are, right. You, are you just going to just randomly be, <laughs> beat the piss? Uh, and it's just, I mean, it's it's down to like, here's the, you know, there's a lot of people who understand now that gender is a social construct that, you know, that it really has nothing to do with what you have in your pants. And um, even that kind of testing wouldn't work for a lot of people, you know, like, so, uh, yeah, I, I think we can, we can see the, the surface stuff of what's going on here. I hate that this is the way though, this is, this is the, this is the real issue I have. I hate that this is the only way that a lot of people who follow politicians like this, and other speakers that we see nationally who are doing the same thing. The thing that's going on in Florida right now is driving me nuts. My my mom and my stepdad just moved down there. So I, I have to have a relationship with that state, you know? And I hate that this is the way that there are a lot of people in this country that are discovering what it means to be transgender. Like this is all they know. 
about it, right? Where you're talking about a lot of different kinds of people with a lot of different things they do in the world and a lot of good things they bring to the world, you know, and this is the way that a certain segment of the population is being introduced to the idea about what a non-binary person is, what a, what a transgender person is. And that is, that drives me nuts. So, yeah. you know, that drives me nuts. By the way, that was a great riff. No, uh, I was in the same position as your dad was because I had daughters. I have daughters yeah. and they were little kids and I'm like, oh man, what are we going to do now? And right. I, you know, I know that thing where you like, you, you try to find a friendly face. Could you kind of just look out for my daughter? But you stand right outside of the bathroom. Right. Uh, I just saw recently, we'll close with this. Mm. I think it was a Sox game. Uh, and uh, at the new park, well, it's not that new anymore. Anyway, but it was, I think it was a White Sox game. A woman mm -hmm. uh, in the men's room with her, I don't know, three-year-old, four-year-old. I have no idea how old the kid was. Sure. Boy. And so I walk in, and there's a woman in the men's room. Yeah. Now, would Neil Anderson beat the piss out of that woman? I'm going <laughs> to I mean. I'm your kid. It's really weird. Yeah, she was you know, there. I just did my business. Okay. I knew she was there for her with her kid. Well, I knew she wasn't like, you know, it's whatever. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna take a leap and and say that Neil Anderson is probably a Cardinals fan. <laughs> That'll be the uh, most controversial thing I you know yeah. Uh, uh, he's from around the Moline area, so uh, any yeah. listeners not Moline, uh, I, we we don't offend you with your baseball. Uh, I'm sure there's some good Cardinal fans out there who aren't beating, sure. but no. maybe uh, I can't stand the Cardinals. I don't really. Um, I don't, you know what? This, we'll, uh, I don't want to go down this path, but <laughs> I used to can't hate the Cardinals because of the whole Cubs thing. But since I dropped the Cubs in the Ricketts oh. era, um, I just can't deal with them anymore. So I don't root for the Cubs anymore, which is weird because I've been rooted for them since the 60s. Mm. I, I find myself not hating the Cardinals as much. Isn't that, mm. you know what I mean? It's like, I don't really care about them. It's not like the Packers. I really can't stand the Packers. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, by the way, I made a bet. Just so you know this, you get this, we'll close with this. <laughs> I have nothing to do with anything. So there is one of our listeners called Mr. Cheesehead. Uh, he's a diehard Packer fan. He's also a good lefty. We made a bet. He said uh, that um, he absolutely believes that Mayor Johnson will uh, reopen the mental health clinics. Uh, okay. a moment where I was uncertain because of an interview that uh, one of the deputy mayor gave uh, and then Johnson during his inaugural address clearly stated, I will reopen the mental health clinic. So it looks as though he will. But I made this bet. So if the mental health clinics are reopened, uh, I have to go and wear at the opening ceremonies for this one of those cheese hats. No, no, <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? Uh, you all couldn't just like do the thing where you donate to like some cause and i'm sure there's like a there's, uh, there's like a food pantry in green bay or something like i would do that that's fine are oh, you kidding no. me you can't do that ben yeah give me, you know, give me really... your listeners information after i'm gonna smooth this out you cannot do that oh okay. <laughs> you hear that cheese head matt yeah you can't you can't have them wearing are you kidding me Cheese. Oh, that's those. I thought you saw about a uh, <sighs> Packers hat. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is, uh, I think Cheesehead Matt suckered me because I swear I was a, <laughs> I can wear a hat, but now he's insisting that it's a whole Cheesehead thing itself. Oh, okay. And I really want the mental health clinics to reopen. So, yeah, I, no, uh, I, you know, I mean, I think there's, if that's what it takes, I guess I'll do it, but only briefly for maybe like 10 seconds. I, I, I got to say, Wisconsin, <laughs> you, you, you have some, you have great metal bands. I actually, I love the, I love the city of Milwaukee. And then you also have created Cheesehead Matt, who, you know, thank, thank you for listening. That was a bold and swift move, but. A slick move by Cheesehead. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know um, Cheeseheads could be so slick, but. Yeah. Well, uh, all right, Salem, why don't you uh, close by one more time giving a shout out uh, for the event at Martyrs and we'll shut it down for today's show. So go ahead. Well, I really appreciate that, Ben. So it's at, it's at Metro on Metro, June 1st. That's Okay. Metro, G-Man, and Smart Bar, they're all in the same place June 1st. Go to chicagoreader.com to get tickets and see more information about all the performers. All right. Thank you very much, Salem. Uh, great job you did. That was some great riffs uh, about uh, State Senator Neil Anderson uh, and his attitude toward uh, bathrooms. Also, yeah. my new best friend. Your new best friend, yes. And I uh, also want to thank producer Chris for doing an outstanding job, as he always does. Uh, give yourself a raise, Chris. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, all at chicagoreader.com. Follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram, at Benny J Show, and all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.